everybody. Welcome, everybody. It is so many wrong notes. I swear I'm not five years old. That sounded like I was five years old. You always think that. I think you're fine. <laughs> you know, I took a voice lesson with Sean. Oh, yeah? How did that go? Me and Teresa. And um, I found out something very interesting that those of us that grew up with Asian parents and sort of surrounded by Chinese are in Asian language, our voice pitches higher. Like, my speaking voice is not at the range that he tells me I'm more comfortable in. Really? That my natural voice range is actually lower. Which, oh. That sounds really dumb. Yeah. I could but, believe that, actually. Because if you've noticed, I have a sort of frantic air about my speaking, especially in in front of a concert. Wait, setting. really? No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I'm like in this anxious high range. Whereas when I try to project and relax yeah. and use more air, it's lower. It is lower. And you yeah. know, it gives you this kind of authority. I like it. <laughs> you kind of sound like an Asian Oprah. Asian Oprah. Yeah. Actually, can we try that? Can you do like Asian Oprah introducing so many wrong notes, like welcoming everybody to so many wrong notes? Ooh. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to so many wrong notes. I can't. I can't do it. Seriously. That was good. I liked that. Was it? Was yeah. it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no, so self-conscious wait, about it. Wait, continue. Say, I'm, <coughs> say, I'm Jeanette Fang, and with me is... <laughs> I'm Jeanette Fang, and with me... See, I just pitched high. I just, uh, with me is my co-host, the fantastic Francis Yu. No, you have to say it like Oprah. <laughs> Francis Yu! See, I, I don't actually know what Oprah sounds like. It's fine. Whatever. I've never watched an episode ever. That's totally fine. <laughs> Wait, let me do that. Okay. The fantastic Francis Yoon! <laughs> Except I actually leaned in closer to the microphone, so you're going to get a huge... Wow, well, sorry, listeners. It's okay. Anyway, it's the holiday season, and so we thought we'd give you an episode that's holiday-themed. Yeah. And Jeanette, I hear that you've got some facts for me. Tell me what's going on. Surprising facts about your favorite Christmas carols. Wow. Okay. Well, Francis, I will start with a question. Okay. Did you know? No. Um, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many Christmas carols do you think were written by Jewish people? I have a feeling a lot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was surprising. One of these lists I was looking at. Every other one was, oh, this was actually written by a Jewish person. And it just kept on going on. So, okay. All right. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the uh, Red-Nosed Reindeer had a okay, very I'm... shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you <laughs> will say it even glows. Okay. All I... of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. <laughs> I'm going they to never let poor Rudolph until you shut up. Playing any reindeer games. Okay. How do you remember all these lyrics? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sad, and I have no life, and I just remember. Are you those. a secret Christmas Carol junkie? Actually, I love Christmas carols. I think we knew this. It is. I really love Christmas carols. Christmas music is probably one of my favorite, like, <laughs> music. Seriously. Seriously. Well, you know the number one selling album 
of classical music is like arrangements of Christmas carols. Really? I think yeah. I'm not surprised by that. But Yeah, that's why Teresa came in with the idea one day of why don't we just like record a bunch of Christmas carols? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would totally listen to that. Okay. Anyway. Right, so you have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh my god, I love that song. I truly don't know how that one goes. Rocking over. around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. I don't know all the words to that song. Okay. Okay, welcome to Human Jukebox, Francis Hughes. Uh. And Holly Jolly Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. And these were all written by the same guy. Irving Berlin. No. Um, that's another one. Um, 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 <laughs> Herman no. Melville. Who wrote it? Uh, it was Johnny Marks. Johnny Marks. I don't even know who that is. I don't either, but it's a great name. Yeah, I it feel is. like if I had a pseudonym, it would be Johnny Marks or J Marks. J Marks. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's not it. That's oh. just by one person. Yeah. Right? Okay. So you were correct. Irving Berlin did write White Christmas. I did know that. White Christmas, not yes. Christmas. well here here's another fact about white christmas it was written for a broadway musical that was never produced oh yeah and then it just kind of went straight to uh the movie so the movie (laughs) is what popularized the song or did the song come out first do you know i i don't know the specifics i obviously wasn't alive in 1942 but you look like it hey hey how do you know you can't tell you can't tell. I'm Asian. That's I never true. age. Asian don't raisin. Ra- raisin. 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 <laughs> Asian don't raisin. Like we don't wrinkle, which um, is a lie. Cause, I mean, look at my face. Look at oh, your I face. I see our. I see just one big wrinkle. Yeah. You're like a cleavage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. And here's another one. Okay. Winter Wonderland. By is that by Irving Berlin? No, it was actually by Jewish songwriters Felix Bernard and Richard B. Smith. Oh. One of those names sounds very Jewish and the other one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think we yeah. should edit that out. <laughs> Smith? Yeah, well, did Smith used to be an old Jewish name? You like, never know. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> so already, that's five. That's already five. That's, okay. How many yeah. more? Do you have any more? No, not off the top of my head. Well, okay. Okay, here's another one that you might appreciate. Okay, another um, Christmas Carol fact. Okay. Okay, so you know, you know the Christmas Carol, Jingle Bells, right? Yeah, of course. Are you gonna sing it? Jingle Bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Batmobile Woo-hoo. lost his wheel and Joker ran away. Hey. Okay. Very nice. Thank you. Yay. Great. Okay. The song was actually written to celebrate Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. Huh. I know. And I was just trying to think about how. How could it celebrate Thanksgiving? Well, Do I people guess. people bring bells with food like they they like put bells but to their cart of food if and... you think about it what do bells have to do with christmas sleighs yeah but sleighs sleigh. is like it's not necessarily christmas it's just winter i guess so 
what are the real lyrics of Jingle Bells? Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells. I'm gonna look jingle this up. Jingle all the way. <laughs> oh, what fun it is to ride. <laughs> Uh, one horse open sleigh. sleigh. Okay. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, the true, the true lyrics of Jingle Bells is "Merry Christmas, Mr. Bublé. Are you ready to sing a little Jingle Bells?" Oh no! <laughs> That's the first thing that shows up <laughs> when I Google Jingle Bells, which uh, is ridiculous. Okay, dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh, over the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobcats ring. Make um. Wait, no. Yeah. You sh- you need to continue. You can't just stop mid phrase. Bells on bobtails ring, making, making spirits, spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a slaying song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Interesting. Did I do it boringly enough? No, actually, this is kind of fascinating. Why? I think that should be your next album. I guess these uh, lyrics, it's so weird to consider that they represent Thanksgiving. I'm just trying to think about Thanksgiving rites and rituals of yore. Yeah. And whether or not. Yeah. Okay, here's another fact about Jingle Bells, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Did you know it was the first song to be performed in space? No. Yeah, isn't that weird? That is weird. I mean. They just had like a little musical concert up there, or they just like played it over a loudspeaker on the moon I don't know. or something. Like, it must yeah. be like International Space Station or something, right? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, That's I don't know the specifics cool, of this. Yeah, just opens up a whole new can of worms. I know. Well, okay. Here's you... okay. <laughs> yes, go on. Go on. No, sorry. go. No, 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 no. You go on. Okay. Here's another fun fact. Silver Bells, written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, um, was originally titled Tinkle Bells. Who? And, yeah, exactly. Well, the title was changed when, as one would expect, the female who was married to Livingston said, you know, that actually means to pee, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it was the dirty mind of the woman who informed the man that he had a very dangerous title on his hands. Tinkle bells. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I have one more fact for you. Oh, great. Christmas carols did not just serve as a delight for Francis Yoon. (laughs) They actually may have a function in wartime oh okay yeah and this is in 1975 the american military played white christmas over armed forces radio as a covert signal instructing soldiers in vietnam to evacuate saigon wow that seems i don't know how to react to that one actually i mean i could see it being a very effective i mean it's very effective and it's very uh, it's kind of brilliant military strategy if you think about it. Yeah. But then using that song, that you know, it, it I mean, should bring joy, and instead it brings fear as to, like get the hell out. Well, I mean, joy to be leaving, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, the other thing that is, you say brilliant, but I think it was actually not that smart because it was done in April 1975. Um, oh, which yeah. is not Christmas time. That's true. I, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, I mean, people would be like, well, this is very suspicious. Why would they be playing this very holiday-themed music right now? I guess because everybody knows what it is. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Huh. Huh. Okay. Oh, (laughs) wait, let me get my phone. Besides Christmas Carol, because we have to be tangentially related to music. (laughs) Well, Christmas (laughs) Carol's our music. No, I mean, like, just in the stupid, stupid facts Oh, part. okay, great. Okay. I'm not saying Christmas carols aren't music. <laughs> okay, I found some facts about Christmas food. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you want to hear these? Yes. Okay. What was the original purpose of candy canes? Do you know? No, I have no idea. They were originally invented to keep kids quiet, which <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, because the kids would just, like, suck on them and be, like, uh, distracted by the candy cane? Yeah, because your mouth is occupied, I guess. Oh. Well, this was, um, actually, here's a good question for you. When do you think candy canes were invented? 1433. <laughs> Why? Why did you just come up with that? Were you thinking of, like... In 1450, the first um, great mass was used in a church or somewhere. No, I just, it was pretty much random. Actually, I was thinking about the number 14 because the number 14 is very important for Bach. Is it? Yeah. Why? Um, B-A-C-H, right? Two, oh. one, three, what, what is f- 14, what is H, what number of it? Is it in the in the alphabet? Eight? A B C D eight, E eight, F eight. G H one two three four five six it's seven eight. eight. All right, so B is two, <laughs> A is one, C is three, H is eight, two plus one is three, plus three is six, plus eight is fourteen. That's you were f- never in Kumon math, were you? Shut up. Yes, actually, I was. <laughs> but the and number... how fast were you? I was pretty good. I'm just, I just got old and dumb. Yeah, nobody uses math anymore. You just want yeah, a calculator. I know. The only time I use math is to add up Scrabble scores in my head. Huh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, so that's why 14 is important. I don't... I'm well, just... was it consciously important to him, though? Or just important to people thinking about some people i I, look there's no facts about this we don't know it just there are some like interesting coincidences i'm not particularly well versed in these where people who have looked at box music always go oh why does something important happen on measure 14 or why is he so obsessed with the number of measures in his pieces? Like, you know, B-A-C-H. He, he is. 2, 1, 3, 8. Here's one thing that I can remember that's circumstantial. Okay. <clears throat> in the first partita, the B-flat major partita, the mm-hmm. opening movement has 21 measures. The second okay. movement has 38. Okay. So 2, 1, 3, 8. B-A-C-H. Oh. So you think it was intentional? I don't know. It could be a coincidence. There's no hard evidence, but enough people have like pointed some stuff out to me where I could, I could, I'm starting to buy it. Well, okay. So does, does it bother you? Um, because you specifically deal with people 
and composers that have been dead for a long time. Does it bother you to not really know the answer to something? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I, I wonder, because, like, I go down rabbit holes of research sometimes just because I get fascinated with a topic or... Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, yes, you should research and and you should try to find out as much as you can. But ultimately, right. if you make music a presentation of documentary evidence, then that's not music. Yeah, I totally agree. But yeah. I just mean for your own personal satisfaction. No, because that that's partly what keeps me in it right mm. is not knowing and then just trying to figure it out and mm. then finding an answer that since we're not scholars we don't have to base on fact but we can just base on it convinces me it convinces you right and that's, personal opinion exactly and that's that's what we deal with that's what performers deal with musicology right. can deal with facts well, I, I think I'm I'm not speaking specifically about Bach. Yeah. I I'm, I'm just curious about like when you look up something and you keep on looking for the answer and you can never find the answer. Does that bother you or is it like because at some point at the middle of the night, I'll just uh, kind of give up and be like, well, I believe it. So. So that's that's what I'm going to settle with and be satisfied with. Do you or do you keep on searching like. Um, I mean, I think I do keep on searching, but I don't think I obsess over it. I mean, that's not true. I obsess over it <laughs> when I'm really interested. And yeah. if I reach a roadblock, then I give up on it for a while. And then something might remind me of it. And then I just go right back. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's the thing. was like when I reached that cop-out conclusion of, all right, well, I believe it's so. So it must be so. Um, I'm not satisfied. If it's something that I'm personally invested in, like... <clears throat> well, I mean, what are we talking about? Research for what purpose? Because I think I it's know. different like... for, like, researching for performance. I think not knowing the answer is good for performers because yeah. part of the performance is then you come up with your answer. And you're not saying it's right. It's just right for yeah. you at the moment. You know? No, that's that's fine. I'm satisfied with whatever I strongly believe in. Yeah. But like I'm talking about just like like for example, when it's been said that and and according to her diaries that is ha what has happened is that Fanny Mendelssohn published a lot of her music under her brother's name. Mm -hmm. But like what exactly that was published under her brother's name was attributed to her um there there's some debate about some of those pieces. Yeah. And so I, w I really want to know, like, what, what is hers I and what's see. his. I see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's not... I, I would really like to know that, too. But we can't really know that, can we? No, and that's the thing. And that... it's not our job, really, to know. I'm sure there's a musicologist somewhere out there. All right? Come on, musicology yeah, yeah. people listening. Who could probably do better you? research on that topic? But I think, yeah. but that's nice to have a little mystery, don't you think? It is nice to have a little mystery because it keeps you itchy and hungry, yeah. which is a good way to uh, go through life. That's true, itchy, <laughs> itchy and, and hungry. hungry. Um, <laughs> okay. okay, so do you have All any right. more facts for me? Well, I, I, did I say any food facts? Oh, yes, I was going to say why candy canes. Were, oh, yeah, you um, said that already. 
Yes, and then I was going to say that candy canes actually were not invented in 1433, but in 1670. Oh. Yeah. And so um, the, the whole story... I wasn't that far no, off. No, no, and I, I know you were going back prehistoric. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Just for safety. So the story behind it was the choir master of the Cologne Cathedral mm-hmm. commissioned candies shaped like a shepherd's crook so that they could be handed out to kids that were going to the church's, um, I guess, nativity scene yeah. presentation, whatever, in order to keep them quiet. And then... Um, it just says here the stripes came later, so I don't know what caused that to happen. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, here's well, another one. Okay. You know those animal crackers that were in those like little round boxes with a handle? Mm-hmm. They were actually introduced as a um, Christmas time snack. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I didn't mean, know that either. And you know why they had that string on the box was because it was going to be an ornament. You, you hang it oh, out to your Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it's not just a cute little lunchbox for kids. Oh. Well, <laughs> I always wondered. Yeah. Those were good animal crackers. I love animal crackers. I think they're delicious. Yeah, and those were the good ones. Like, the ones in the little boxes were the ones that were kind of shortbread. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the ones those. that are... What is the one in the big uh, plastic tubs? Those are the crappy kinds. Yeah, I know. I don't know yeah. what those are. But I'm... Imitation. I'm glad... The animal crackers exist. Here's one last All one right. last one because I think it's too good to pass up. <laughs> okay, so uh, at medieval Christmas feasts, do you think that they actually ate turkey? No, of course they didn't. They probably ate like phoenix. <laughs> you're not too far off. Really? You're, you're not too far off. Yeah, it was actually peacocks. Peacocks. That's what I meant to say instead of phoenix. Actually. Phoenix don't exist. <laughs> They're actually a mythological creature. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I keep on thinking about it. I was like, I wonder what peacock tastes like. Probably, I, I can't imagine it's actually that delicious. Probably not. I don't know. And and was it so many? There were so many peacocks that you could just like eat it for Christmas. Huh. I guess there must have been, right? Well, I think you must have been. You had to have been rich to eat peacock. Yeah. The other thing that I was think... actually... Well, I mean, but do you think it was that rare? Because, like, yeah, peacocks are expensive now. I think so. I think meat was rare for people who are not rich, period. Well, apparently they ate a lot of meat because the other type of poultry that was in in those Christmas meals was boar. Mm. Also, I think think that's still for rich people, though. Probably, actually, they, I think poor people you were just ate gruel, gruel, <laughs> watered yeah. down bread, bread and cabbage. Um, yeah, gruel and beer. Kn- yeah, which is actually interesting to think about. Actually, I've been thinking about this recently because most people, like going back to Bach, most people laugh at the fact that Bach got paid in beer, but beer was the only way people could hydrate themselves because water was so dirty. Because people oh. were still shitting in the streets, you know, and oh, contaminating. Yeah. So it's just kind <laughs> of, yeah. Dips where there's shit. Exactly. Like little valleys in the road. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to think about how perfectly normal it was for Bach to have been paid in beer. How and, often was he paid in beer? I mean, it was part of his yearly salary. Oh. Yeah. Like what percentage? I don't remember, in all honesty, but part of it. Huh. 
Part of his salary for Leipzig was beer, a certain ration of beer. Wait, so if they couldn't drink water, they were just perpetually intoxicated. Exactly. Everybody was intoxicated. That's, That's that was terrible. what I'm trying to get into. It's like everybody was slightly drunk. Slightly? I mean, think about how much water you need per day. <laughs> it's not just slightly. And what did the children do? Did they, they probably drink drank beer? beer too, yeah. Oh my god. Like, beer that's why wine. they had such a short lifespan. It's just because they didn't have water. And I think it's really fascinating because a teacher of mine pointed out to me that during Bach's lifetime in the middle of the 18th century, they introduced coffee. So oh. coffee slowly replaced beer. And look at what happened right after coffee. All these, the American Revolution, the, the, the French the Revolution... Together. What? Bach wrote the coffee cantata. Yeah, right? Bach wrote the coffee cantata, but I mean, just intellectually, think of what happened. Is all these revolutions came after the introduction of coffee? <laughs> so your your aggressive gene just came out with the coffee. Well, no, it's amped like, up. No, the beer kind of placated all the poor people, and then the coffee just woke people up to the fact that hey, <laughs> our life is shit, except for that guy's life that we call king. Oh my god, everyone's so on edge. They're just like. I know. <laughs> just like perpetually jittery. Um, okay. Well, that's terrible. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. Did Did you know who actually made turkey for Christmas a thing? Um, Norman Rockwell. Nope. Oh, who? You're so off. Oh my God, Franny. It was Henry VIII. Oh. Uh, it's got to be royalty, right? For something to be a thing, it has to be it like ha- a king. It always has to be royalty. Well, thanks for these great facts. Yeah, it was two seconds of Google searching. But (laughs) stuff that I didn't know, and it certainly puts me in the holiday spirit. Well, you know what's funny is that we had put in the show notes that it was going to be me telling you facts. Uh But you actually gave me a lot of cool facts that I didn't know. That's true, yeah. Well, That beer thing just blows my mind. It's really fascinating to think about. Anyway. I'm surprised they even lived at all past 20. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah I don't know I mean it makes sense now that they think Bach died of untreated diabetes oh and so it makes sense oh. if you're drinking beer since you're off your mom's breast <laughs> that can't be the only source of liquid that they well, had well it must have been also wine or other things like cider or like but you couldn't drink water normally I mean, what about if they... Did anybody boil water? Like I'm sure they used... soups? Yeah, like for soups and things. So that's what I'm thinking, that they got a lot of their water from food. Like vegetables always have a lot of water. Yeah, they do. It's like 90... Uh, celery is like yeah. 95% water. And like, if they made soups, I'm sure the water was safe then. But if, if you were thinking about just drinking stuff, water yeah. was generally not safe to drink. Hmm. And alcohol was. How often do you drink alcohol? Me? I don't drink alcohol that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially because you live in New York now. And it's like $12 for like a <sighs> bottle of beer. That's right? true. Yeah. I know. I'm probably under guessing, actually. <clears throat> it's actually much cheaper than that, but it can add up. Oh, really? Like, you yeah. go to the dive bars and... It can I still be. remember those days in Yale that, um, what is it, our graduate pub would have 
$2 for two drinks. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and everybody would like walk around double fisting their drinks. It That's was great. great. Yeah. All right, let's go on to stupid questions. I've got a stupid question for you. Okay. Here we go. Which is, since you told me you don't like to listen to Christmas music, what is your favorite Christmas album? I don't have one. I've never listened to a Christmas album in my life. What's your favorite Christmas song? I guess Carol of the Bells. Okay. I like that one. Yeah. Not really interesting answer. Sorry. That's fine. What's your stupid question for me? Well... I was going to ask you what, because this is kind of a, a holiday episode that encompasses both Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask, um, what is your New Year's resolution? Um, but sort of a two part, as in what is the New Year's resolution that you want to say that makes you sound good? And what is the New Year's resolution that is actually something you're not really wanting to admit. Like a guilty secret kind of New Year's resolution. A guilty secret kind of New Year's resolution. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Here's the New Year's resolution that I would tell people, Mm -hmm. which is my constant struggle with smoking. Okay. And saying that I would quit smoking. But I have a feeling that's probably not going to happen in the new year. Uh, And really, the guilty New Year's resolution is that I probably wouldn't make a New Year's resolution. Period. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the answer you give usually, that you don't make one. Yeah. I think what I've learned is that I can make a resolution at the time that I need to make it. Right. Like, I I made a resolution actually around Thanksgiving time because there was just a lot of drama going on. And I just said, and it's what, what, what the drama was is really not mm-hmm. that important. I just said, you know what? I'm just not going to be involved in this. I'm not going to get sucked mm-hmm. into it. And actually, life was so much better. And you just make the resolution when you need it. Are you talking about so, sort of family-related stuff or just... It's, it was kind of school-related oh, stuff. okay. There's a ton of... There's a ton of drama. But that's okay because I don't even know what's going on anymore and I'm happy about that. So it doesn't directly involve you? Well, it directly involved me at certain points because of... Again, it's just silly. Just, you know, people talk about what you said when you didn't say it oh so it did it did involve you and then you had to just it it sort of involved me i was tangential but i was accused of saying something pretty horrific which i didn't say at all and i just said you know what no i'm i'm just done i'm not going to talk about this anymore i'm not going to be involved Mm -hmm. with this Believe what you want. How do you, how are you able to let go? I mean, how, how, what's your thought process? Well, it was a, it was kind of like, is this worth caring about? Right. And the answer to that, 
after talking to the parties involved was no. And that's pretty much that decision. It's like I've got enough people to care about. You d- you kind of cut I've out. I've got there. enough things to worry about. I've got enough things to care about. I've got enough people to care about. I don't have to care about this. And that was sort of the thought process. It was actually kind of relieving. So it worked, as in you were able to stop it, caring about it. Yeah, it, it worked. Because I can just kind of put myself in that situation, and I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't think. Like. Yeah, I mean, I I get that too. I think I had to like make a decision about how is this helping me at all, mm. and the answer the absolute honest answer to that question was it wasn't Mm -hmm. so what's the point and once i got there i it was surprisingly easy for me to let go okay yeah i guess i just i'm just curious about how you let go of the need to have people know what's what's true um i think what's helped me with that and, you know, having really good friends um, at, at school and also you, because I'll fill you in on the whole situation after mm-hmm. we get off, is knowing that the people who know me know that I wouldn't do that. That's what right. matters. Yeah, that was that right. actually I can I can totally believe. Um, yeah, to have people believe something that isn't true about you, that's terrible. Like, I don't think I'd be able to get over that. Like, that's just... I mean, it's... It, ultimately, it's not a huge right. deal. Like, the situation is not right. a huge deal. Like, it's not life-changing mm-hmm. in any way. It, it, But it's also, like, if you want to think something about me then you can think that that's fine i just know that what i know and i i know people that the people who then believe you or me in this situation are the people who know you right right and that's what really matters no i mean i'm i'm admiring it because i i'm not there yet like i still the opinions of everyone just matters too much to me and it's it's a it's a flaw i think so I, I want to know how to get I mean, there. That's all. Yeah, I know. I, in all honesty, I don't know how I got there. And maybe two months from now, I won't be there. Maybe it's because, you know, I made that resolution three weeks I ago. I feel like you being able to get there is, is a really good yeah. sign. I mean, I think that you won't get bothered because it's just too petty at yeah, this point. Yeah, it is. Anyway, hmm. but that's really what it is. Yeah. Cool. So let's go to our obsessions. I'm g- I'd like to start with my obsession. Okay. Good. Which is really, really dorky. Okay, Kay. here we go. I'm sort of obsessed with ancient Egypt right now. <laughs> like Whoa. I was browsing like Netflix and I was like watching shows like Empire Games and like the Pyramid Code. And I just got, like, fascinated by ancient Egypt. Again, I've been, like, obsessed with ancient Egypt since I was a kid. But ancient Mm. Egypt, man. I'm now reading this book called The Rise and Fall of Ancient Egypt. (laughs) Oh, I've heard of that book. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
I'm still in the beginning of the Who's book. Who's it by? Uh, let me look that up. Toby Wilkinson. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting you to say. Usually you have something like super academic, like, oh, I'm reading Tess Duberdell's. Or, oh, I'm really into Jane Austen right now. Or, oh, I'm really into some other 18th century literature. Or, oh, I'm really into this composer that only learned people know about. <laughs> I was thinking ancient but Egypt. Ancient... That's a whole new level of academia. Oh, <laughs> the lost civilization. That's true. But you know what? That's who I am. God damn it. Maybe next episode you'll be into Latin. Well, maybe I will. Oh, by the way, I used your uh, thing about the facsimiles of Bach being really uh-huh. beautiful. Um, so I printed out a bunch of facsimiles from his like violin sonatas uh, and partitas. Yeah. And I made Teresa a puzzle. Oh, nice. Fi- first violin partita. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really nice. It's also really hard. That's why I did it, because it's hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd... that'd be great. That's a, that's a new office puzzle. Yeah, and it was it was really hard to make because I don't have the right tools. Oh, you made the puzzle? I mean, yeah. I oh, that's it. amazing. Yeah. It took forever. Oh, my God. I bet, yeah. Holy <laughs> crap, that's really cool. I thought you had it made like your other puzzle. No, I wanted to see if I could make it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you obsessed with other than cardboard? I don't really have an obsession at the moment. Well, I think the cardboard is still pretty good. I got really engrossed in your ancient Egypt thing. I was going to think about it when you were talking. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm I'm obsessed with making gifts this year instead of buying. I think that's awesome. So, like the puzzle set for Elia, um, I'm I made her a better one actually, because the spray paint. Wait, who is this person? My Uh, niece. She's yes. four. And you know, she's coming for New Year's concerts. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. So for her birthday, I made her like a, a block puzzle. So you turn it over. It's a different part of a puzzle. And so there's six pictures of like animals playing instruments. And she had to put them together the right way. And there's 12 of the boxes. And um, according to my brother, she didn't really play uh-huh. with it um, because it still smelled from the spray paint uh, I used. Oh, I see. Because I used like a sealant to make make the, the box uh-huh. more durable. Um, and so this time my goal was to not use spray paint, but still make it durable and like to seal off all the pictures so that nothing would start tearing. And so I just used clear tape this time and it actually worked pretty well. Nice. Do you want to yeah, see? Yeah, I, I do want to see. Okay. So this is the box it's in. Uh-huh. Which is a, a handmade box because it has to fit exactly right. So these are the blocks. And then, I know this is really great for a podcast, but so each one of these is a different Oh, nice. Yeah. And so there's one with like two puppies playing in like a hip-hop band. One's got like the bling, the bling necklace. And then one's a baby pig playing a guitar. And then a panda basically eating a flute. It's not really playing a flute. It doesn't quite understand that. Yeah. And then um, there's one of a, a cat um, walking on the keyboard. And there's also, um, what is it? It's like a bear and a drum set. Huh. That's great. Yeah. Oh, and a rat band. There's a oh, rat band. I love the rat band. That's going to be great. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure she'd love that. And I think making your gifts for the holidays is amazing. Well, that brings us to the end of another So Many Wrong Notes. Yay! Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening. Have a great, happy holiday season. And stay tuned. More episodes to come. And check us out on our website, so many wrongnotes.com. And check out our Facebook page. We're available everywhere. Or <laughs> not quite everywhere. Stitcher, iTunes. Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. I think so. Catch up on our episodes there. And if you'd like, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Or just leave us a rating. You know, five stars always helps. Only five stars. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening and happy holidays and have a nice New Year. Don't kill anyone. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying that. I know. I know. All right. Bye. Bye.